0: I'm Anna Webb, welcome to A Dog's Life. Know I'm always practicing your recall and your sit and your touch, and you're so good at it. Well, that's why we're going to jump on Zoom now and talk to dog training guru Steve Mann about his dog training career and about his latest course, which is downloadable from BBC Maestro. <laughs> Hey, Steve, thanks so much for joining me on A Dog's Life.
1: Absolute pleasure.
0: Just to explain, you know, um, you are a dog trainer, guru, extraordinaire. <laughs> really, I think from the way I see you, really seen for being clear understanding compassionate to both the humans and the dogs because okay. i think you, you've got a great skill in teaching people i think you know i don't mean that in any patronizing kind of way it's like, oh,
1: i'll take i'll take that all day long thank you for, <laughs> thank you
0: very much yeah
1: i think um yeah i think the clearer we can be the better i think i think sometimes dog trainers and behaviorists can get a little bit bogged down in all the sexy words and we end up leaving the owners and more importantly the dogs behind so The simpler the better.
0: Mm, absolutely and you've um epitomized that if you like in your easy peasy books which I've got the easy peasy doggy squeezy which yeah I was just I'm reading it again yesterday actually and just thinking yeah you know this all makes sense like (laughs) you know like for example when you're training fetch I always say it begins with the give and you know you use the word out but but it's the same it's that chain of behaviors so you're going to roll the ball and then the dog's going to pick the ball up and then the dog's going to bring it back to you. And it's kind of just explaining that. You get this whole really good picture in your mind, which we're going to talk about in a minute.
1: (laughs) Yeah, as as you say, the simpler and more bite-sized and digestible, you know, we know that's the best way to teach dogs. So it's got to be the best way to teach owners. It's certainly the best way that I, you know, I used to do a lot of sports when I was younger and even at school. You know, the, the teachers that taught me a little bit I, I achieved that standard and then I got my reinforcement and then went on to the next bit as opposed to, you know, first day at school, you're starting to worry about your row levels. That's ridiculous. And I think <laughs> too, too often owners, are, you know, you, you talk about teaching a fetch or dumbbell retrieve, too busy, too much owners are worrying about the finishing bit before they even got out of the traps, before they even accomplished the first few stages. So yeah, bite-sized digestible bits uh, is always is always the best recipe.
0: Because, you know, we've seen an epidemic, you know, haven't we, in the last eight Have we? Months. What's, what's that? <laughs> I mean, huh. You know, um, what is it now? Three and a half more million dogs are, you know, living now in the UK. So, you know. By far, the most dogs are living with us since you know we probably ever domesticated them. You know, it's uh, it's yeah. massive, massive.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that three and a half million is is the official figures. So, how many how many dogs have been sold out at the back of vans in South Mim service station and everywhere else? So, I, I I I'd say you could bolt on another couple of million to that. In all honesty,
0: really? Do you think it's mm. that much? Yeah, no, it doesn't. Yeah. Come in doesn't surprise me but the key thing is we're so conditioned aren't we that word to you know not only buying things online now but for everything to come with you put into google you know how do i turn it on <laughs> you know um mm. like when my, when my boiler messed up the other day i go on and go you know fault f37 and i expect google to tell me but with dogs it's not that simple and they don't come with instruction manuals
1: yeah absolutely i mean that's one of the lines that we use for the bbc maestro course sort of I've, I've done recently and yeah most most certainly most big purchases or, or let's say big even emotional investments that we make um they do come with an instruction manual but you know that being said there's n- there's never been more dogs in a country absolutely but there's never been more YouTube videos and never been more books and there's never been more courses and this that and the other the trouble is sorting out the wheat from the chaff because advice is advice and and the novice doesn't know if it's good advice or bad advice. And as you know, Anna, everyone with a dog believes they're an expert.
0: Oh, no, I know. And I love that episode of your podcast, actually, where Scott's going on about somebody saying to him, you've got to let him off the lead. And Scott's going, no, thank you. I'm all right. You know, like- yeah. He's my dog and I'm just not confident yet with his recall, which is absolutely fair enough, particularly with a young puppy, you know. Mm. And um, but yeah, explain that a bit more, you know, and how in the park a lot of things, you know, can go wrong because people haven't been taught how their dogs should behave now in the park. Like dogs running up to you, for example.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know people will give you advice and that and, and and but i do think it always comes from a positive place it always comes from good intentions um but really i think sometimes people feel peer pressure they're, they're down the park they know in their heart of heart they know their dog better than anyone even if they're not a dog expert they're an expert in their own dog and they know in their heart of heart if it's appropriate to let them off the lead or or they should keep them on the lead and I, and I think sometimes when people know they should keep them on the lead, but they get this peer pressure of, no, don't worry, I've had dogs all my life, let them off, they've got to learn, da-da-da-da-da-da. And the trouble is, if something goes wrong, then it poisons the dog's emotional state to maybe other dogs or at being at that park or what else is going on in that environment. So I think, you know, I get advice, you know, I go out of the park and people will say, oh, I should do this or you shouldn't do that. All I thought, okay, cool. Thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate that. I'll have a little think about that. And that's and that's. I think that's. No one should make a snap decision about dogs, whether it's buying a dog, getting a dog, um, or letting them off the lead, or anything else that they that they're being given advice on a whim. Um, but it, but it's tricky, and none of us are infallible, and and that's kind of part of the process. And sometimes when things go wrong, that's the most inspiring thing to make us learn and practice and find good resources. So uh, we get it right next time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, your maestro course, this is really quite new, isn't it? And it's very mm. exciting. So explain how this is taking your books to a new, amazing, colourful level. And I haven't seen the whole course, actually. I've seen the trailer and I love it. But from the trailer, it seems to me that you're really using proactive play to work with the owners and their dogs to build that trust. And what tra- Training for me is all about communication.
1: Well, the Maestro course covers everything. You know, play is an element, um, but it's one of one of 30 lessons that's within the Maestro course. So if people go on to BBC to search BBC Maestro or BBC Maestro Steve Mann, what happened is maybe about 12 months ago, maybe even a little bit longer, um, but the guys from BBC Maestro contacted me uh, to do an online course. So it's four hours worth of training, 30 lessons. And other ones that they've released today is Gary Barlow on songwriting, um, Marco Pierre White on cookery. So David Walliams on children's books. So I'm rubbing shoulders with the uh with, with, the, with, the, with the landed gentry. Um, so I'm, I'm keeping good company there. But what I love about it is we, we, we recorded it earlier on in the summer. It's, it's just been released now um, and it's flying, thank God. But what I love about it is there was a massive crew. We had 16 crew. We filmed it up at my place here. And there's no stone unturned. You know, the production values is amazing. It looks beautiful. And one of the things for me, Anna, is whenever dog stuff appears (laughs) online or on TV, it always looks a bit miserable. It always looks a bit grotty. Um, whereas with this BBC Maestro stuff, it really celebrates dogs. It really celebrates dog training. Um, they made sure I was scrubbed up and had had you know nice outfits each day, and all the kit that we used, and the whole location is just perfect. So I I I love it. It looks like it looks like it doesn't look like online lessons. It looks like a movie, which is fantastic. And the dogs are beautiful, and I think we should always film them in beautiful settings because we want. That, that makes us want to watch it again and again and again, and you know yourself, you know, dog training and lessons and learning is about repetition as much as anything else. So yeah, it's it's. I'm very proud of the BBC Maestro, um, and yeah, hopefully, uh, lots of people will uh, will get the benefit of it.
0: Oh, I hope so. Because, you know, I think a lot of people are suffering. I mean, I'm taking on quite a few dogs at the minute, Steve, that are all about between 11 and 14 months. So how can someone listening that might be in that boat with that kind of real high adolescent age doggy really benefit from the Maestro course?
1: Oh, so from from the Maestro course, like I say, there's there's 30 plus lessons in there. So no matter what age your dog is, whether whether you know, you're a brand-new puppy owner or whether you own a dog that's 10, 11 years of age, whether you've got that adolescent, uh, that teenage dog, there's, there's tons of lessons, there's tons of activities, there's tons of answers to, to your questions, really, uh, within the course. So even things, you know, typical things that go out the window when a dog hits adolescence are things like recall. Recall's always the one. Mm. Um Because those teenage hormones, the same as for us, when they kick in, when adolescence kicks in, our body internally is screaming to leave the tribe, get away from the family that you know. So you go and discover other villages and that helps you avoid inbreeding. So it helps spread the gene pool. So that's why teenagers go, they hate their parents when they hit 13, 14, 15. And that's why (laughs) that's why adolescent dogs bugger off down the park. Because they're yeah. looking they're looking for new horizons. Um, so it's 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 about surfing through those kind of six month period really, holding the dog's hand, looking after them, working and nurturing through the recall, the loose lead walking, all the stuff that you would have invested in when when the dog was a puppy, hopefully. But you just hit a few speed bumps when the dog hits adolescence. But you know, you grip on and you you get through it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And loose lead walking, it's something that does tend to um, mystify a lot of people often for the whole of the dog's life, you know, and I, I think that's one of the key aspects that if you can get that together, it will then infuse the whole of the rest of your dog's world because everything's interrelated, isn't it? And, And you come from that, that holistic aspect and looking at the dog's feelings as well, which is very important in terms of body language, right? The dog's feelings,
1: the student's feelings is essential, it's first and foremost, and you know how the dog feels is far more important than what the dog does. if the If the dog feels safe, optimistic, um loved, trusted, then then getting behaviors on the back of that is relatively easy. But if the dog feels nervous or there's no connection or lacks relationship, then good luck trying to get any behaviors with any consistency. So you know the the emotional um, well-being of the student, is is first and foremost. And, and again, we can relate that, but we know ourselves. When we were in a in a lesson and we, you know, we didn't feel safe at school, or there was a teacher that we knew didn't like us, or there was the bully sat behind us. That's not the right kind of environment for any good learning to seep in. So yeah, relationship, emotional, and as you say, loose lead walking, it's always a work in progress. The trouble is, people like. Dog trainers like us will go on YouTube and say, "Well, you do this, you do this, and you do this," and four minutes later, your dog's walking perfectly on the lead. But it's a lifetime project for most people, and and it's it. But it's something that we need every day, so it's very much worth the investment in time and effort uh, to try and um, to try and get it right.
0: Yeah, and you you also really clarify, certainly in the books, the difference between conditioning a word and reinforcing a behaviour. On the basis that I always. You know, I'm a bit amazed as to how many people do really think their dog understands everything they say. And you obviously clarify this very clearly. Explain a bit more. So and then, you know, just a bit of technical, the word and then the behaviour. <laughs> dogs,
1: dogs like us do behaviours at work. When we pair a sound, maybe sit, maybe a clicker, maybe the doorbell, it's going to have some sort of emotional association for the dog. So, you know, when we're talking about conditioning, things can, can get conditioned in a good way or in a bad way. So maybe the doorbell, as far as the dog's concerned, the doorbell is good news. But for the owner, a doorbell is a nightmare because the dog has paired the doorbell with this emotional chemical brain bath of arousal and adrenaline that happens at the front door. So <laughs> yes. doorbell goes, you know, Crazy. massive excitement. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, in in Easy Peasy Doggy Squeezy, I think, um, or maybe even Easy Peasy Puppy Squeezy, the first book that I wrote, you know, we talk about how you can change that emotional association but also use the doorbell as a cue for a different behaviour. So, yeah, in Easy Peasy Puppy Squeezy, we talk about, we teach the doorbell is the cue to go to the back of the house. So um, our starting position is the doorbell goes, the dog goes nuts at the front door, but the finishing... Um, situation we arrive at is the doorbell goes the dog goes to the back of the house waits patiently the owner lets in the visitor and then they do their meet and greet so it changes the emotional response but it, but it also acts as a as a cue for an alternative behavior of what i call a mutually exclusive behavior mutually exclusive behavior if the dog is doing the mutually exclusive behavior are you going to the back of the house they can't be doing the unwanted behavior at the same time jumping up at visitors at the front door.
0: Exactly, and then that way you're managing and um, just creating you know, less stress in the home as well. Yeah,
1: that, I mean, the idea of any training solution is all parties are happy. So um, we, we need to teach a dog uh, an alternative behaviour is more reinforcing than the original behaviour that you were doing. So we need to find out why the dog was doing the behaviour, what was the consequence, and how can we give them that consequence but for a more appropriate behavior. So, you know, a dog jumping up at visitors to say hi. Well, let's teach that dog that people only say hi when your bum's on the floor. That way, everybody's happy. The visitors, the owner, and the dog. We all get what we want. It's a good negotiation.
0: And you've, you know, you've done so much. You've worked in Dubai with scent detection. And that's something tuning into a dog's sense of smell is another top tip, isn't it, really, Steve, for everyone. Even if you've got, you know, a Shih Tzu or a German short hair pointer, both are capable of really getting into using their noses. That's hugely, hugely enriching for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Dogs, you know, dogs see the world through their nose. They've, they've, they've sacrificed some of their brain, whereas some of our brain is dedicated to seeing quite a few colours. Dogs have sacrificed a certain part of that brain and dedicated it more to their sense of smell. So at least, and it's, it's not very measurable or easily measurable, but at least 100,000 times better than our sense of smell. So whereas we'll go into a baker's and we'll, we might smell the bread and we might smell the sugar... A dog will go in and they'll smell, you know, what that baker had for dinner last night, the diesel from a delivery van that disappeared at the back half an hour ago, um, the shop assistant's cat, um, whatever's on the sole of anyone's shoe. Uh, that it's we, we can only imagine. But it's I, I love I love working uh, doing scent detection. So yeah, out in Bahrain, I work with detection dogs and I used to be involved in the prison service uh, for detection dogs but also teaching tracking dogs out in South Africa. And it's, it's, it's humbling, if nothing else. Um, you know, I, I've never taught a dog to use their nose, but I've just kind of harnessed it and made following this scent more reinforcing than following that scent. So it's it's more about teaching scent discrimination as opposed to teaching detection stuff.
0: Yeah, no, amazing. I mean, this will probably make you laugh, but I trained Prudence to um, scent discriminate for the Ooh. British truffle. Yes, <laughs> because oh, you've gone, gone after the money, huh? You've gone. I've gone after, I've the, gone after the money. Well, only if you. could. But the problem is, that it's only a bit of fun because you can't actually take truffles from anywhere. You've got to get permission. It's all really quite um, enforced. Actually, you can be arrested in Epping Forest if you've taken a truffle because they are in Epping Forest because you, <laughs> you can And they, they, they know apparently if you've got like a rucksack or something you're coming out of Epping Forest. I mean, I'm sure they can't police this like that vigilantly. There are other things to do, haven't they? But you can be searched and if they find a truffle on you, you know, you're going to be fined. So it's <laughs> simple. So I'm gutted. I'm gutted. So.
1: Do it. Go for it. What's the worst that can happen? Oh. The, uh, ask, ask, for, ask for forgiveness, not permission. No, no. Come on.
0: Yeah, no, I know. That is generally the rule in life, let's face it. Yes. So, yeah, no, I've trained Prue, you know, my bull terrier. Um, yeah. So I'm really chuffed about that. But anyone can you know, do this with their dogs because it kind of all begins with a tennis ball in a bush, right? <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> that sounds like the, the opening line of the, <laughs> of the next book. Um, <laughs> either that or I was arrested in Epping Forest. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of ways. So if, if the dog loves a tennis ball, yeah, you can certainly. But I you know, I wouldn't teach the dog to search for toys. I would teach the dog to search for the target scent and a, and pair that target scent with the toys thereafter. Um, but your dog, my dog, they're searching all the time. As soon as we go out the front door, they're searching all the time. So um I think I think searching for a dog starts within the first two or three weeks when they're you know well, it starts from birth when they're able to use their sense of smell to find mum. That's the mm. first search. You know, they They're born with the senses of, of, of smell and taste and touch, but it's all about finding mum for food. That's, that's all of our dog's first search. It gets paid well by finding warmth and comfort and safety and food. And then rather than searching for mum, we, you know, they start searching for X, Y, and Z. Then we get our predatory motor patterns start coming in. So they get turned on by, by deer and rabbits and everything else that might be down in the park. Um, but, yeah, I, I would wholeheartedly recommend anyone um to to do more searching uh, with their dogs. And there's actually um a guy called uh, Rob Hewins or Doctor Rob Hewins. Um, he runs a company called the UK College of Scent Dogs, and he does amazing courses for anyone that's in uh, interested in ha- uh, detection handling, um, tracking that kind of thing. But but what I there's a lot of people that teach scent work, but Rob Hewins. And his wife, Karen Hewins, at the UK College of Scent Dogs. They've been there and done it. They've done it for the Met Police for all of their careers. So, you know, they're, they're untouchable as far as quality and standards concerned for teaching scent detection. Yeah. So they're definitely worth looking at.
0: But it's good, isn't it? It's just to sort of think about your dog as a sentient being that needs to use his brain, you know, but in in a way that the dog should be using its brain, really. That's kind of one of the key things. I mean, I think my mistake with Prue, my bull terrier, was getting her way too tuned into a tennis ball. Um, but I needed, Steve, I needed a focus for her that was bang on when we were, you know, out and about in the park because they're heavy, she's very gung-ho, super. Friendly, But just as you were describing in one of your podcasts, you were out with your chihuahua mix, Nancy, and a big bouncy bull terrier comes running up going, hello, I'm really goofy and I think you're really great. And then, you know, and you picked Nancy up because Nancy rightly was going, you're massive and you're weird and you're too audacious and boisterous, go away. Um, you know, so my point being here, you know, to, to really keep Prue's focus, which of course is something you talk a lot about in your books and I'm sure in The Maestro, focus and focus tools Mm, let's discuss that a bit
1: (laughs) yeah I, I, I mean yeah some you know one man's one man's meat is another man's poison so you know the facts that um um proves into tennis balls whereas yeah the tennis balls gives you power steering and power power steering for an English bull terrier or any large dog is very very um welcome and appreciated and needed um so you know if if that maintains a focus on you if you can use that tennis ball to reinforce the behaviors that you want more of such as recall and focus and everything else then fantastic you know sometimes it can tip a little bit over into the red and and that um, enthusiasm for a tennis ball can turn into an obsession for a tennis ball (laughs) so we need to be a little bit careful um but also it's more about looking at what kind of state is she in when she's kind of going over the top with tennis balls is it after a run is it when there's when there's been more adrenaline or arousal into a system that's when she's more likely to become almost compulsive about tennis balls and that's 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 when we need to start keying it back and pulling it back a little bit so it works as a reinforcer but not something that she becomes totally obsessed about
0: I agree, I agree. But the first time I thought, gosh, I might be able to train her to go and actually search for things like search and rescue. You know, you've got to laugh because you know they're not exactly the breed that you'd imagine climbing up a mountain um stealthily, is it, you know, to find somebody in need. But she'd upcycle tennis balls on the Hackney Marshes. She'd go off yeah. in the bushes minding her own and, <laughs> and having a laugh. And then she'd just come out like so pleased with herself, going, look, I found another one. Yeah. And um it just became really really funny so no we've 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 turned it down she's well this was a couple of years ago now oh, and she you know and i think with age comes wisdom with dogs hopefully but a question a question i've got to ask you steve is this would you say it's really important for dog owners to walk their own dogs
1: Do you know what? That sounds a loaded. That sounds like you've had a conversation elsewhere and I'm (laughs) going to be the ripping boy for at least 50% of of that conversation.
0: Um, it's not loaded. It's just, you know, I believe, you know, you get a dog because you should walk it. For me, um, walking my dogs is the main thing I love to do in my day every day, you know, and I do that for lots of reasons and I recommend that other people do the same. That's all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of of course
1: it's, it's valuable that, you know, of, of, of course, it's essential, I think, for relationship and just so you can, you know, if you want to learn a foreign language, go and live in that country, spend time in that country. If you want to learn about dogs or build the strongest relationship with your dog, spend as much time with your dog. You know, I think that, that's fairly, um, that should be fairly obvious. However, and, you know, I'll put the caveat in, everyone's too bloody busy. And um, sometimes if it's a difference but do you know what? I'm fine if people walk their dog when they can, but their dog loves going out with Johnny's dog walking service twice a week, where he gets to meet up with appropriate our dogs and do appropriate play and have his own little social group, and everyone's safe and sound and happy. That's cool as well. I think I think in an ideal in an ideal world, we'd all walk our own dogs twice a day. We'd all um you know we'd all we would. Myself included, we'd all do a lot more with our dog. I've got five dogs, so as soon as i'm doing something with one dog I'm compromising my time with the other four dogs. I think that's just life Anna and and I think um i th- I think people shouldn't have a dog just so they can be seen to be ha- have a dog on the odd occasion and then it's someone else's problem the rest of the week um i don't think that's appropriate uh and they you know their family me- they're, <laughs> they're family members they're not um they're not status symbols. Uh, so, you know, I, I wouldn't... Um... I wouldn't line up people and shoot them if they have someone else walk their dog.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I just think, you know, every day you're missing out, I think, that's all, on, on your dog. And, and, you know, the sad thing is, isn't it, Steve, that dogs just aren't pre-programmed to live long enough. And I would just always hate to live with myself if I didn't think I had really done my best. But that's where your great course comes in and everything to help people do just that. So there's hope. <laughs>
1: Anna, you hate people that have other people walk their dogs, don't you? I'm getting this vibe. Honestly, you're going to get done. I don't, so, so I don't, done. Right, I don't hate going, them. I'm going, Andy, I'm going to promote it. I'm going to start a dog walking company <laughs> now, just okay. for the fun.
0: No, the thing is, Steve, oh, right, I'll be, okay. So every day on the Hackney Marshes, because I, you know, I go out there. <laughs> you're not going to let it go, are you? No, no, only because I see like 12, I count 12 dogs with one person. And I yeah. think to myself, if anything happened, I mean, you know, I think, would I let my dog be one of those dogs? And I have to honestly say to myself, no, I wouldn't, because mm. what if something happened? What mm. if something happened, right? Mm-hmm. You cannot, one person can't control 12 dogs in a mm. situation when something happens, one runs away, one bolts, one's I bit. I've, I watched once where I just thought, oh, this is going to be interesting. They didn't, I didn't. You know, I was just observing one dog bolted and I suddenly thought, oh, my God, that was that dog was with those people a a minute ago. And I Mm -hmm. I could see them. They were way on the other side of the towpath. And suddenly it was a Manchester Terrier came running back to the section of. the the park where I was and I thought I'm just going to observe and I can maybe step in if something awful starts to happen with this other dog that had just gone AWOL and I just thought how long is it going to take them to notice one dog was missing and I'll tell you something Steve, it wasn't quick and I just saw all this happen right, I was just there right I wasn't spying or anything, I was just there and because (laughs) you know I'm concerned about dogs and I particularly like Manchester Terriers um, Mm -hmm. I just thought or if it would be any dog but you know at that point imagine what the owner of that Manchester Terrier would have been Mm -hmm. thinking while they were at work so it's things like that and it's just seeing these things out there and I just think people need to be aware and I think people need to understand no listen none of us have got any time I haven't got any time but the thing is there are things you make time for in life and there are things you don't make time for in life do you know what I mean?
1: I understand exactly what you mean, but I will counter that with, and, and, you know, I'm not the chairman of the Dog Walker Society. <laughs> I don't think there I, is one, but, Steve, that's but, the point, it's unregulated. I, but what I will say is, of course, there's crap dog walkers. Of course, there's people that um, walk too many dogs. Of course, there's. It, it may be that they're only walking two dogs, but they're a bad match. Um, but, you know, th- I think there's good, without breaking into song, there's good and bad <laughs> in every industry. I mm. think there was Ebony and Ivory. <laughs> um, but there's, there's 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 good and bad in every industry, whether it's dog walkers, groomers, dog trainers, teachers, whatever it is. There's good and bad. So I think I think we pro- we would probably both agree that and an owners, whatever they do with their dog, wherever their dog goes, whatever service, where, even if it's vet care, that they do their due diligence and they vote with their feet, and 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 they bring their dog. And let's be honest, their business only to the very best. And then that way, that's going to raise the standard of any industry. The, 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 the position that we're in is there's so many dogs that owners, owners are in a position often now where beggars can't be choosers. And that's, a, that's, that's an imbalance. And that's why we have the IMDT, the Institute of Modern Dog Trainers, so we can train as many good dog trainers and behaviorists and dog professionals as we possibly can in order just to service the pure weight of dogs that are out there at the moment. Mm. So I, mm. I think I think there's good and bad. And, and, and I think I, I, I think that, the, you know, really, the summary is do due, due diligence. And if you have any doubt, thanks very much. Move on. Find someone else. Even, even <laughs> that even goes for breeders. It's, there's good breeders. There's crap breeders. Oh gosh, um, no,
0: you're right. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, it is. It is. You know, you can read. There's so. You know, there's good vets and there's bad vets as well. You know, and and that's the other thing we're seeing now, isn't it? There's been a lot in the press that there aren't enough vets to go around all the new dogs. You know, because new vets haven't suddenly emerged from college. You know, in the last year, um, in that quantity to to balance the amount of new customers. So, I've I've heard. Heard that the rvc at the beaumont in uh, the beaumont practice in london they're not taking on any more dogs they've got enough dogs on their books and that's that which is also another very worrying aspect of this huge boom
1: yeah it is because we're going to get we're going to get a log jam everywhere anna we're going to get a log jam in rescue we're going to get a log jam in vet care we're going to get a log jam for dog walkers we're going to get a log jam for everything you know other industries will be um you know, riding high on the hogs back, companies like food companies. Mm. Oh my God! You know they can double their profits if if they if their marketing's on point. So it is what it is, and I think you know I, I've heard other dog trainers, and other dog professionals, oh it's really bad, all these dogs, and um you know it, you know it's all going to hit the wall in six months time or twelve months or whatever. I I think I you know dog, I can talk for dog trainers and behaviourists. You know I think now's the time for us to step up. And we know the value of having a dog. And we were all first-time dog owners at some point. So, you know, I think I'm hearing, I hear people looking down their lorgnettes at these people that have got a lockdown puppy. Well, good for them, those people, because dogs are bloody amazing. And let's help them get over the speed bumps and let's help them celebrate and have live long and happy lives together rather than tutting from ivory towers <laughs> because we've been there and done that for a certain amount of years. At the beginning, people uh, would contact me. Ah, oh, you know, we, we've got a we've got a puppy in lockdown, all excited. Now, now when people talk to me, they're like, "Oh, no, I shouldn't, but I got a puppy in lockdown." And now it's it, it's gone from something that's very exciting to something that's very almost taboo, and people are embarrassed about it. But yeah. I just think I just think we should all well let's celebrate new dog owners, and let's celebrate uh, dogs, and let's help them the best, and let's think of new innovative ways. You know, we physically can't see all of these people, so let's do some online courses like the BBC Meisha and all the rest of it. That can that can help so many people. So I think all of us, you know, it's really appreciated and valued that we can promote resources. Like I say, there's never been so many dogs, but there's never been so many resources either. Let's just, um, you know help the cream right at the top
0: yeah no I know and um, bringing a dog into your life if you, you know you're doing it for the right reasons that you want a sentient companion you know you don't want you know a comfort blanket after work you you know you want to understand this creature you want to get the best out of your dog you you want to research the best food that's going to optimize its health so you're going to keep your dog slim and activate its brain I mean it's absolutely brilliant really and and well you're helping to do all of that um but it's you know yeah it's like anything isn't it there's um, good and bad but ultimately yes let's celebrate the positive that is the dog yeah absolutely
1: and and <laughs> i'm feeling i'm being contrary but but the you know even if someone didn't get a dog for that reason even if someone got a dog because they liked the color then let's really, really help those people. You know, let's really, you know, be positive and encourage and reinforce anything that those people are doing with their dogs, so they do a little bit more and a little bit more. And then maybe it's going to take twelve months before their mind is blown and oh my god, my dog's amazing! I didn't realise. I just thought they were fluffy. You know, let, let let's help those people. <laughs> I like. I'll be honest. My whole career, I'm always attracted. I like to, you know, what we would say in privacy bad owners. I like owners that... I like working with owners that don't really dig their dog or don't appreciate their dog or whatever because we can make such a massive change to those people that they, you know... And, and if we can change them and get them onto the right page and the same page that you and I are on, then they become so evangelical that they become you know, sandwich board wearers for promoting good positive dog ownership. So, I, you know, it's... I'm all for, <laughs> I'm all for working with good owners, but I, I'm all for working with bad owners as well
0: yeah no, I know well, I don't, yeah, I think most people have the right intentions, and it is that something that you touch on through everything is I think you know messages get lost in translation, frustration then builds up between the owner and the dog, and vice versa. and once you can snap people out of that vicious cycle, then I think you know people can get on that motorway and get into fifth gear with their dog, and it's brilliant,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh well thanks Steve and I really yeah I'm going to look at it's the Institute of Modern Dog Trainers and you've been in charge of that for what 30 years now
1: Well I've been doing dog training for over 30 years yeah the IMDT is maybe the last sort of 15 or so um but yeah it's uh, it's a, it's a big beast so it's it's the biggest education provider and membership body for dog trainers and behaviorists in the world in fact we've got centers in in China Australia South Africa so yeah we're uh, we're strength to strength thankfully
0: Wow, that's well, perhaps another episode there. Because are you getting involved with training dogs to help rhinos, say, out in South Africa? You know, training dogs to be, you know, anti-poaching dogs so that they're on guard and they'll track poachers.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I've worked with dogs out, um, out in South Africa for those, and and, and yeah, you know, and, and anti-poaching, um, generally is a it's a massive problem, and I think it always will be a problem, mm. um. But so, yeah, you know, the dogs out there are doing amazing work. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic place to, to to live and work as well. So, yeah, that's all um, that's all good fun.
0: No, brilliant. Well, you're so busy. Well, listen, I can't wait to watch the whole of the Maestro course. And that's on BBC. So do you just put in BBC Maestro forward slash Steve Mann?
1: <laughs> yeah, BBC Maestro Steve Mann. Uh, yeah, that should point you in the right direction.
0: Fantastic. Well, thanks ever so much for this chat, Steve. Absolute pleasure. Cheers, Anna. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, I know, walking to heel, you get it right, but for many, it is a lifetime objective. What's that? Yes, it is time for Woof of the Week. <coughs> I believe trained dogs are happy dogs and definitely make for happier families. <coughs> Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again to Steve Mann. All the links to him and to his Maestro course are in the show notes. Thanks also to Mike Hansen, my brilliant producer. Find out more about him and Pod People at Pod People UK. For more about me, I'm at AnnaWebDogs. And why not have a little snoop around my website, at annaweb.co.uk. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. But why don't you subscribe now so you'll never miss another show? Bye for now.